of our journey is to examine what God has told us. I don't have an opinion for you that's worth listening to, but I can share with you what God has told us, what God has shared with us, so that we will know him as he desires to be known. And it's almost like you could just open up the scripture and, you know, drop a pin. And, and he's telling us something about himself so that we could know him. Now, this is going to be a familiar passage to probably all of us, but I want you to hear it, and then we need to talk about it. Beginning in verse 1, I think down through verse 15, uh, <clears throat> Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. There's been a big flap between him and them. And so chapter, what we see as chapter 10 is simply a continuation of the conversation and conflict that was going on in chapter 9. So you really need to pretend that there's no chapter break here. It's just, you know, the last verse of 9 flows right into this. And so Jesus says, very truly I tell you Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls them by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, i.e. parable. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus backed up and did it again. That's my translation. Okay. He's like, hey, dummies, listen to this. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. As your other translations may read, have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. One more. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep in. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Now, we could talk for days. We're not going to, but we could talk for days about what we just read together. And it would all be good, but let's focus on the fact that we are sheep and God has told us, hey, you're sheep. We've talked about some of this before, but sheep have to have a shepherd, right? Most of us don't live in an agrarian uh, setting anymore. This used to be very, very common. Uh, everybody, you know, would get the, 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 the barnyard illustrations, <laughs> okay? Everybody dealt with that. It was just common everyday life. And if you've never been around sheep, uh, some of you have and some of you may not have, um, just let me say to you again that God did not compliment you when he called you a sheep. Uh, sheep have been proven to be the dumbest of the barnyard animals, the lowest IQ. They can't defend themselves. They cannot provide for themselves. If the sheep doesn't have a shepherd, it will die. 
The shepherd is absolutely necessary to the life of the sheep. Literally, a sheep will keep its head down. If you don't believe this, you can look it up. But a, a sheep has a very good chance of eating from one clump of grass to the other, never looking up, only looking at the next piece, and literally walking off an embankment where it might well die. It's that dumb. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't use the term, but understand, the sheep can't clean itself. It can't. It can barely feed itself. That's about it. It can't protect itself. And the Lord says, we're his sheep, the sheep of his pasture, of his hand. And the purpose of that is for him to say to us, I am your shepherd. I am the one that you cannot live life without. You might think that you can, but you can't. Know me in this capacity. Know me as the shepherd and all that a shepherd does. So the more you study the shepherd and the sheep, the more you understand what he's revealing to us and telling us that he is the good shepherd. You may never have seen this. I have a couple of times in my life. But shepherds had no reservations about you know, bringing their, their flocks together. They'd, they'd keep them in the same pen. They'd protect them for the night. They might have one large enough for this shepherd, that shepherd, and another one. Or they, they might have summer pasture. And they would all go to the you know, the, the, the bared meadow, okay, that was rich with food, and they would all be there with their flock. Did anybody brand the sheep? No. You brand cattle, but they don't brand the sheep. Why? Because the shepherd can walk literally into the middle of that combined bunch of flocks and start talking and walk away, and you know who's going to follow him? The flock he brought in. Because they know his voice. Let that soak in. There are a lot of voices in the world today. But... His sheep know his voice. Now let's go back and see what he says. John 8:58, chapter and a few verses prior to this. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. Now this I am name, I am the eternal one. I am the one who is and has always been is the name that God revealed to Moses back in the book of Exodus. And Jesus is showing us in no uncertain terms that he is in fact God. Now, this may amaze you. I hope it, it does not. But what I'm going to tell you, uh, it was fairly amazing in, in real time. A person that I had the privilege to share some of these things with, it was, it was not individual, it was in a congregational setting. But sharing the fact that Jesus is God. John opens his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And a gentleman in that congregation who had been attending that church for quite a long time commented after the service, I never knew that Jesus was actually God. And I'm thinking, what have you been listening to for all the years that you've been going to church? Or who has not taught you? That, that statement to me was stunning. Because this particular individual was a very faithful member of the congregation to which I spoke. I was stunned. But Jesus makes these I am statements and it was not lost on the Jewish audience because he's using that name that every Jew knew. He is Jehovah God. I am God speaking, God's voice, you know, Cecil B. DeMille and all the stuff on the Ten Commandments, the movie, you know, the big thundering. I am the good shepherd. Not just any shepherd, but I am the good shepherd. And it's singular. So 
We've seen and we know that Jesus is the bread of life. We may look at that. We, we know that Jesus is the light of the world and because he has gone, we are the light of the world. But he says in this passage, I am the gate. I am the path. There is not another path. There are not many paths, no matter what the voices in the world tell people. There is one path. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no person comes to the Father except through Him. Now, Jesus desires that everyone would come. The offer is free to all. It doesn't make any difference what our past is, what we did, what we didn't do, what we omitted, what we committed. Whosoever will may come. The offer is there. And here He says, I am the Good Shepherd. We are defenseless. Do we have an enemy? We do. Is he more powerful than we are? Say yes. Thank you. Um, do we make wrong choices a lot? Y'all don't have to answer that one. I won't indict you. I make wrong choices a lot. Does Jesus love me anyway? Why? Does he provide for me anyway? Yes, he does. And so this word when he says, I am the good shepherd, it is a word that means beautiful and valuable. Say it that way. I am the beautiful and valuable shepherd. Think about that. Is there anything or anyone whose beauty and glory and radiance exceeds his? No. Is there anything that we can think of, know, or possess, or desire that is more valuable than him? He is the pearl of what? Great price. He is the one whose value cannot be estimated because He is the only one, the only person, the only way that will ever give us life and a hope and a future. Only in Him. So therefore, He is beautiful and valuable. I am the beautiful and valuable shepherd of the sheep. He is preeminent in every feature that He has, in every attribute. He is, listen, hang on, he is incapable. Now that, that word doesn't usually go with your brain and your thought pattern concerning the Lord God himself. But listen, he is incapable of doing anything that's bad or harmful. He cannot because he is what? Good. He is beautiful, valuable. He is good. He's the good shepherd. And you are the sheep who desperately needs him more than you can know. Oh, I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection and the glory of His person and in the fellowship of His suffering. The Paul, Paul the Apostle, penned those words for us in Philippians chapter 3. But this was not the first time that the Lord had been called the Good Shepherd. Back in the Psalms, other places in the, New, in the Old Testament, Psalm 80, verse 1, declares Him to be the Shepherd of Israel. The one who leads the flock, who leads his sheep, who tends to them. David wrote it in the psalm that you know so well. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I love the way the Spanish renders that verse. Dios es mi pastor. The word in Spanish for shepherd is past, what we would say pastor. They don't have a separate word for shepherd, it's pastor. The Lord is my pastor. Hello? That doesn't mean me, and it doesn't mean Brother Don, it doesn't mean people who do what we do. It means Jesus himself is my pastor, my shepherd. I'm going to have to get excited all by myself. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 11 says, He will feed his flock 
Like a shepherd, He will gather the lambs with His arms and carry them in His bosom and gently lead those who are with young. We see a similar statement in Ezekiel chapter 34. And so Jesus' statements that He's making here in John's Gospel recorded for us have certain implications or effects. He is the good shepherd. He is saying to them that he is greater than David. They knew David as the shepherd of Israel, but Jesus standing before them is greater than David. Jesus had told them, I am the bread of life. And they equated the life-giving bread, the manna from heaven, as something that came through Moses. And so Jesus has told them, I am greater than Moses. Everything about me is more. He is the light of the world, as I told you a minute ago. Before Abraham was, I am. God is always good. And it is very difficult for us sometimes. Maybe it's just me. But sometimes it's difficult for us to see God's goodness when the world around us is falling apart. But as we saw just a couple of three weeks ago, God's worthiness to be praised and God's goodness, who and what He is, is never overshadowed by my circumstances. Why? A, because He's bigger than my circumstances. B, because my circumstances, no matter how bad they may be, no matter how bad they may get, are temporary. It's passing away. Think about it. All this looks so bad and horrible and terrible to me. Well, it may be. But guess what? Those famous words of Scripture, and it came to pass. <laughs> this will pass. It's not permanent. He is the Word of God will abide forever. And he says, I am the beautiful, valuable shepherd. And that will never, ever change. Mm. Is God in charge? Is God still good when junk happens in the world? Yeah. Did God cause it? Not on your life. What causes it? Always remember, we don't live in the world that God created. We live in the fallen world due to our sin. Sin has its consequence and effect on the world today. Now, you also know, and let me remind you, that when Jesus redeems us, ultimately His redemption is going to include creation. And I want to see what the perfect world looks like. Because we don't live in it. What we put up with is the result of sin. And we're guilty. Now, what does a good shepherd do? Verse 3 says he speaks when you have children or grandchildren do you speak to them do you communicate with them i don't mean yelling at them <laughs> i've been guilty of that guilty as charged but jesus communicates to us you want to hear what the lord is saying to you open it up and look at it that's what he is saying i am communicating he speaks he tells us about Himself, and He tells us about us. You see, I am to come, as we prayed just moments ago, I am to come in a spirit of truth, in beauty and in holiness. And when I come in truth, what is it that I have to, to recognize? I have to recognize the truth about me, and that's not very nice, is it? Say no. I have to, I have to deal with the truth of the person in the mirror when I got up this morning that doesn't well, that very often doesn't get things right. It very often has stinking thinking. That's a term I learned in seminary. Stinking thinking gets us in trouble, doesn't it? 
But I have to have an honest evaluation and assessment of myself because I look at Him and I have to be truthful and honest with myself about who He is and what He has said about me. I'm not as good as I go around thinking that I am. I'm not as good as people might want to believe I am. Y'all know I'm talking about myself, but guess what? Neither are you. But He is always good. And He communicates that. He lets us know, yes, you have some problems. Yes, you have some limitations. Yes, you're defenseless. Yes, you can't provide for yourself. But hey, guess what? I'm willing to do that. I will shepherd you. I may have to go to Atlanta sometime before the day's over. Don't know. May have to go there tomorrow. The jury's out on that. But I bring it up for this reason. If you were in the car with me, don't talk to my wife, just go with my illustration. If you were in the car with me, would you have to worry about where we were going? No. Why? Because I'm driving. Now, what would happen if I'm driving and you're going along with me and you're just relaxed and having a grand old time and we're just going down the road, chatting, you know, whatever, we're having a conversation, and all of a sudden you get all in a snit because I didn't take the turn you wanted me to take. What's going to happen then? Y'all already see where this goes. Sit over there and shut up. <laughs> Sorry. But you see... God's design in being my shepherd is I can go where He wants me to go. He can take me where He wants me to go and I don't have to worry about it. He's in charge. Yes or no? And trouble comes when I say, did you really mean to take that turn? And you're laughing because you've all done it, right? Oops. See, I went to meddling. We've all done it. Well, God did Don't ever ask that question. Because he did whatever he did because he's good and he can't do anything less. Turn on the light. Verse 3 says he speaks. And it also says he calls. Not just a call that's general. Hey y'all, come on this way. He didn't say that. He calls his sheep by name. He knows your name. He doesn't call, as we say down here in this part of the country, he doesn't call all of y'all. He calls Chad, he calls Don, he calls Aaron, he calls Debbie, he calls Jimmy, he calls Keith. He knows our name. Now, how do you feel when, when somebody doesn't remember your name? Does it make you feel just a teeny bit unimportant? Go ahead and say yes. <laughs> he never forgets. He never forgets. You know how come I know that? A, because God is perfect and he can, he can make no mistakes. But in, just in case I doubted that, just in case I forgot it, do you know, I've told you this before, I hope you remember. Sometimes I feel like I ought to have a test. I'm just give you all a test. See if you remember this stuff. I was having that conversation at my house yesterday. Do you remember? <laughs> but here's what the Word says in the book of Isaiah. He asks the rhetorical question, Can a woman forget the child that she has nursed in our reflexive action would say, no, she can't. But my grandmother died not knowing any of her family, and you've had family members do that too. Disease, old age, dementia, took it away. They didn't know. So can a mother forget the child that she nursed? Yes, it's possible. It's unfortunate, and it's sad, and it's tragic, but it's possible. But following up Isaiah's rhetorical question, he says, but your father... Your name is engraved on his hand. 
It's written right there. And one of these days, like Thomas, we're going to see him. We're going to be able to see where the, the spear pierced his side and where the nails went through his hand. And right there by that nail print, that nail scar, you're going to find your name written right there. God will never forget your name. He knows you. It's about relationship. It's not about just coming to church and sitting here and saying, well, I got through that bad sermon. Maybe I'll come back and endure another one next week. It's not about that. It's about Him knowing you and you knowing Him. And then verse 3 says, He leads. <laughs> Remember, we're going together. We're driving down the road. and He's in charge. I'm not. But it gets better. Verse 4 says that He goes before. Now you see, if I'm at the front of the line, something can get me, right? In military circles, you know, if you, uh, you've got a recon team and, and you got point, guess what? You're the first one out there. You're the guy in the front of the line, front of the team. They may all be spread out, but you're more forward than anybody else. And guess who's most likely to get shot? <laughs> the point guy. He doesn't put me out there like that. He doesn't put you out there like that. It says he goes before. Therefore, he is the protector of his sheep. And what does he do? The latter part the chapter says he gives what does he give read it eternal life he gives eternal life now you see if I'm the barnyard sheep I've got a certain life expectancy don't I no matter how much hay no matter how much grain whatever it is that they feed me I'm only going to live a certain amount of time right say yes what does he give he gives the bread of life. He gives the living water. And He says, I will give you eternal life. It never ends. You might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, Jesus mentioned the hired hands because they don't act like He does. And there were there's a lot of things we could say about that, and I don't have time. But hired hands are there for the buck, right? The good shepherd is there because of the sheep. They're His. He bought them. Don't you know that you are not your own? You are what? Bought with a price. And that price is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Good and valuable. Beautiful. The good shepherd did that for you. And so he says then to these Pharisees, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. And this word that he used, used here or no, it's a Greek word called gnosko, and that's kind of unimportant, but it's the typical word that is used in Scripture for experiential knowledge, as in the example of marital intimacy. Somebody was married and he knew his wife. Same word. That's what it is. It is the desire for the Lord to have a relationship with us so that we know Him experientially. And you see, he is a powerful shepherd. He goes before us. He provides. He knows our basic needs. He pilots us or He guides us. He protects us and He pursues us because how long does it take before one silly sheep wanders off from the, from the flock? Not long. I talked to one this week. Great conversation. And I got to hear the testimony of this person's own account of I wandered off, and they'd come back. And it was such a blessing to, A, know that, and then hear them tell me that. But that didn't 
catch the Lord by surprise, did it? <laughs> and here's the other thing. You know, well, the sheep wanders off, and he can't really do all that much for himself. So, you know, we have this idea. Well, the Lord just kind of sits down. Well, maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. He doesn't do that, does he? You know, the shepherd would leave the 99 in the, in the pen, in the sheepfold, and go and pursue the one that left. He would pursue him. It is a pursuing love. That his love goes after you. That it protects you. It envelops you. And it will bring you back to him. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Verse 17 says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life. Verse 18, no one has taken my life away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. Now, think about that. You can make a choice. It's not a bright one. It's not your choice to make. Let me say all of that. But you can make a choice to jump out of a perfectly good airplane with no parachute. Somewhere in the last couple of three weeks, I heard somebody actually committed, the, the, the pilot did that. I, can't imagine why. I never saw a perfectly good airplane I wanted to jump out of, parachute or not. <laughs> but that happened. Now, you can make that choice. You can choose any number of things, okay, to meet your demise. But you know what you can't do? Once you're dead, you cannot say, eh, I think I want to live again, and whoop, and just say, I'm alive again. You can't do that. And what did Jesus say right here? I laid down my life for the sheep. It was a choice, people. He chose to do it in order to give us what we could never provide for ourselves. And whenever you understand and you think about and you meditate on the fact that the Lord chose to do what He did, it's an incredible statement of His love for you and for me. It's an incredible statement of His love for people who don't know Him. He laid down His life so that people could know Him the way He wants to be known. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Christ demonstrated His love in that while we were still sinners, He died for us. He chose to do that. And somehow we've, we've listened to the voice of the world, and I've told you this a thousand times, and I'm sorry to say it again, sort of, not really. Uh, but we, we have this warped image that we picked up from worldly society, you know, that, that we're the ant, and, and God has the magnifying glass, and he's just, you know, figuring out how he can make life miserable. There's a lot of folk, now, you know, I... There's a lot of folks that carry an image of the Father like that around up here. How sad. Because it is so far from the truth. And you see, you will know the truth and what? The truth will set you free. You need to understand just exactly what love drove Jesus to do. What He did was for the glory of the Father and the benefit of people who didn't deserve it. That's exactly what He did. And you see, when He went out to meet the predators... Well, we've got to talk about the predators and the fact that he goes before, so therefore he went out to meet. But what predators do we face as not real bright sheep? He talks in the passage about the wolf, and we see in other places in Scripture the lion or the bear. But what are the predators that we face? You see, John chapter 1, John the Baptist says of Jesus, Behold, 
the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. You see, sin separates us from a holy God. We were born in our iniquity and sin. We knew how to sin. I never had to teach my kids how to be selfish or sometimes hateful. Depends on which one of them it was, how, how much of that they did. Your kids have been the same. You didn't have to teach them how to do that. They came fully equipped, right? You have to teach them how to be nice. You have to teach them how to be courteous. You have to teach them all that other stuff because they came equipped to do the other. Death is a predator and it, it consumes us. And after death, is divine judgment. You see, those who don't know the Lord as the good shepherd are condemned already. Yes, that's what the word says. Don't take my word for it. They're condemned already. They're living in their condemnation. But after that, it's not, it's not you know, the, the bad doesn't end at death. What's worse is divine judgment apart from Jesus Christ. So he went out. He saw the predators on the horizon. He didn't wait for the predators to get to the flock. He went out to meet them. He left heaven. He put on a robe of flesh. He went to meet the predators that would take our life, that would take our joy and separate us eternally from God the Father. And he went out to meet it. He conquered death and he took the judgment. He said, give it to me. He took the judgment because he is your beautiful, valuable shepherd protecting the flock. That's who He is. That's the one who calls you to know Him in ways that you may have never known Him and experienced Him before. You see, death doesn't destroy by ending our plans for this life because there's no such thing, the voice of the world says there is, but there is no such thing as annihilation. Once we're born, we exist forever. It's just a question of where. Jesus is not a weak shepherd. <laughs> he laid down His life for His sheep saved us from the predators, saw them coming, went out to meet them, drew them away from the flock, and gave his life to destroy them. There's the one who loves you. There's the one who calls you to know him, to experience him. This, i leave you with a, with a story that's been told before. I have no idea how old it is. It's a yesteryear thing. Back when stage actors were actually skilled at a few things other than not wearing much. <laughs> did I say that out loud? I did. <laughs> I never did understand how all that got to be a skill and you get paid millions of dollars for it on, on a movie screen, but <laughs> it happens. But back in the yesteryear, there was a very famous actor and there was an event at a particular theater and this actor was going to be there. It was not a play, but he was going to recite portions of some very well-known literary works, little Shakespeare, whatever, that kind of thing. There, there, there was a day and time when that happened. And that's how I know this story is old. <laughs> but, you know, the day came and um, the event was held and he did what he was there to do. And an old preacher was in the audience and he requested of the actor that he recite the 23rd Psalm. So the actor agreed on one condition, that the preacher would also recite the psalm. So the actor's recitation, rendition of the psalm was very beautifully done, great intonation of voice and emphasis in all the right places. And when he was done, he received a rather lengthy ovation for his rendering of the 23rd Psalm. So the old preacher, slowly went up to the platform and began to quote the psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And He restores my soul. The preacher got through. There was no applause. There was no ovation. But there was also not a dry eye in the room. And after the gathering had concluded and been dismissed, somebody in the crowd asked the actor, what made the difference in the psalm? And the actor said this, I know the psalm. The pastor knows the shepherd. That's the difference. And the Lord says, I want you to know me like this. See what I have told you of myself and know me at the level that I want you to know me. It's His idea. I'm not being forward or presumptuous to say that I can know Him the way He wants to be known because it's His idea. When I can say together with you, oh, I want to know you more, it's His idea, not mine. I wouldn't do it on my own because I'm what I am. But because He has redeemed us, because He's remade us, we have that opportunity to know Him on a level that we've never known Him before. And we will never exhaust the depth of who He is. We will never exhaust the depth of who He is. Is that going right over here? No matter how much you know Him today, you can always know Him more. That's His call. Know me more. Respond. Have this desire in your heart to know me more. Make that your prayer. Make that your reply. Make that your response to know Him in the fullness that He wants to be known by. That is your invitation. Let's stand together. I want to pray for you and I'm going to give you a space to respond.